0: Uh, If you're part of Hope Church, you'll know that through September, October, November, now into the first Sunday of uh, December, we've been doing this sermon series called Flipped, uh, looking at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and how Jesus basically flips everything on its head. This is one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever preached, probably one of the least understood And in it, he flips everything from culture, what the media tells us, what society tells us, the way of the world. He flips everything on its head. And it's important just to say at the outset that the only person who ever fully lived the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus Christ. He lived and modeled what he taught. So today, as I just said, we are completing uh, this sermon series by looking at Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 to 29. And this message is entitled, Choices, Choices, Choices. Life is full of choices, big, life-changing choices and small, insignificant ones. From what color socks are you going to wear to who are you are going to marry? From what sandwich filling will you have for your lunch to whether or not you believe in God? What will you watch on Netflix this evening? How will you respond to that tricky text from one of your work colleagues? What will you spend the money that you've earned on each month? Where do you choose to send your kids to school? Do you choose to spend? Do you choose to save? Do you choose to invest? Do you choose to give away? Choices, choices, choices. I don't know if you knew, but Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, uh, used to have this tradition that he would only ever wear black roll neck, Levi jeans, and New Balance trainers. That was what he wore Every day of the year, three, six, five. Why? Because for him, it cut down the number of choices that he had to make in a day and meant that he could focus on what really mattered, focus his brain power on developing Apple and not what he was going to wear that particular day. I remember when um, I came back from living in India for a year and I remember having reverse culture shock. Standing in Tesco's, being absolutely overwhelmed by the choices of sweet corn. That there were six different types of sweet corn, that there were eight different types of ketchup, that there was a whole aisle full of different flavors or cuts of crisps. Choices, choices, choices. So let's read the first part of our passage. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 13 to 14. It says here, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those that find it are few. The first choice is the choice of the narrow way or the broad and wide way. Jesus starts his application for this incredible sermon that he has preached right here in these closing few verses. And the first choice that he gives everyone is the choice between the narrow gate and the wide gate, the broad gate. What is important to see is is that this is an inescapable choice. He says everyone has this choice to make. And I believe there's two layers here to what Jesus is talking about. The first one is probably the most obvious one that many of us would immediately think of. Jesus himself says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus talks about himself in John chapter 10 and verse 9 as being the door or the gate. So Jesus is saying, look, the way to life is through me. The narrow gate is Jesus Christ. There is a choice that all of humanity makes, and there is a choice between the narrow gate, which is Jesus, with clear boundaries, and the way is tough, it is not easy, but it is the way that leads to life eternal. And then there is the wide gate, the open and easy path from which no effort is required, from which anything goes, from which all roads lead to God, from which there is a no limit to the baggage and the way that you live your life. It is easy and many are on that journey, but it leads to destruction. We all Have a choice to make. Do we believe in Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life? I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You couldn't get more definite than that. There is no middle ground. Boil it down for all of humanity, there is the narrow way which is Jesus, which leads to life. There is the broad way which anything goes, which leads to destruction. But then there's a deeper level here as well. There's a kind of a second deeper level which Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking to Christians. He's talking to those who maybe do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because in Luke 13, verse 24, in the similar kind of narrative that Jesus is talking there about the narrow gate, it says in Luke 13, 24, make every effort to enter the narrow door. Now, there is grace, which is Jesus, which is all who believe in Jesus can have eternal life. So why is Jesus talking here about effort? Why is he talking here about persistence and and keep on choosing the narrow gate and the way which is Jesus? He's talking about that because there is an ongoing persistent striving to choose the narrow gate and to choose Jesus, which we are to live with in our lives. Verse 14 just brings this out. For the gate is narrow, And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What Jesus is talking about here is what he's just laid out in the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, the two and a half chapters that have gone before us are all about that hard way, that narrow way, that way to live, which is different to the world. It's about living differently. It's about forgiving those who have hurt us. It's about not judging others. It's about living with integrity. It's about being generous to others. It's about putting someone else's needs in front of my own. That is a way of choice. It's a deliberate, disciplined way of living, a daily choice to choose the narrow path, to choose Jesus. So, I want you to see here there's, there's two choices that Jesus is talking about. There's a the cho- choice for all mankind, which is grace, which is choose life, which is choose Jesus, which is choose the way that every Christian has every single day to choose life in all its fullness and not destruction and ruin. You see, you can be a Christian, you can be saved, you can have your place in eternity, but still make a mess of your life. It's interesting, the word destruction there in the Greek means waste and ruin. That's what it means. And, you know, the Bible is very clear. It talks about you reap what you sow. And there is the constant choices that we make lead to an impact and lead to fruit in how we live our life. If we are believers and if we are holding grudges and lying and cheating our way through life, it will come back to bite us. Our life will lead to waste and ruin. One interesting example in the New Testament church is a man called Demas. He was involved in helping Paul and Luke plant the church at Colossae. But in 2 Peter 4 and verse 10, we're told that Demas had loved the world more than Christ and deserted those he had once been with. You see, Demas had chosen the wide and broad path. He had chosen a way of destruction and ruin that had messed up his life. So we are to choose life and life in all its fullness. There is a full inheritance for us as believers that only comes through keep on choosing Jesus, through keep on choosing the narrow gate and not the broad, wide path. I mean, I think of myself, I became a Christian at age 13 and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That was when I made a profession of faith and I got baptized. That was when I would have entered into eternal life. I would have known my place in heaven was safe and secure through the grace of God. But later in life, as I grew up, as I went through my teenage years, as I came into my early 20s, there was moments when I had to choose. Was I going to choose the broad, wide path? Or was I going to choose the narrow path? Which was Jesus Christ and his way and his discipline and his calling and his inheritance. One of the best ways I think to think about it is through Joseph, the Old Testament character Joseph in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. You see, Joseph had an inheritance. His inheritance was to be the prime minister of Egypt. But the only way he got to be the prime minister of Egypt, was through saying no to sexual temptation and through totally forgiving his brothers. So he had to keep walking through the narrow gate to receive the inheritance that God had for him. The narrow way. Few find it, Jesus says. The riches, the life in all its fullness, the reward at the judgment seat of Christ, all that God has for us, few find it. Because it is a challenge to every single day choose the narrow way and choose Jesus when the world offers us a broad and a wide way. That's the first choice. Second choice, let's read on verses 15 through to verse 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by your fruits, by their fruits, sorry. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The second choice that Jesus lays out for us is who will you listen to? Jesus is giving a warning here against false prophets or false teachers. Those who come with sheep's clothing, but are dangerous and deceptive. The key here is having discernment, knowing who to listen to and who to trust. I love the Greek word for the word discernment. It basically means sniffing something out. Think like of a sniffer dog at the airport. Discernment is being able to sniff out what is godly and what is right and true and what smells off, what isn't quite right. The false teacher, the false prophet who might deny God's judgment, denies the authority of God's word, says that anything goes, says that all roads lead to God. Beware, watch out for them. We're not to be dazzled, By outward appearance. That's what it was. You know, the the sheep in wolf's clothing. The whole thing was outwardly, it looked okay. But inwardly, it was evil and deceptive and wrong. And outward appearances can massively deceive us. Someone's charisma, saying certain things, hitting certain buttons, looking a certain way. Outward appearance, if we're not careful, can greatly deceive us. The key is verse 16 and 20. By their fruits, you will know. By their fruits, you will know. In the Christian world in the West, over the last two or three years, we've seen incredible scandals that have hit every area of the church. From people like Rabbi Zechariah to Mark Driscoll to Jonathan Fletcher, we've seen different people in different areas of the church. And you've seen the fruit that is rotten and bad and wrong. The thing about fruit is it takes time to ripe and it takes time to grow. So Jesus is telling us here, we need to watch patiently. We need to watch with our godly antennae up. We need to watch sniffing with a humble heart because there's a responsibility on all of us to spot the deception, and to despot the false teacher. A true man or woman of God is one of godly character and conduct, one who is Christ-like in everything they do, one who demonstrates the fruits of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. They're one of sound doctrine who upholds the Scripture. One of the commentators on this passage said that, The mark of a true teacher, true prophet, is sound doctrine and holy living. We're to be looking. We're to be listening. We're to be discerning, sniffing. Does this ministry, does this teaching have, lead to good fruit? What is their influence like on their followers? Is it positive? Does it lift people up or does it crush them and push them down? Who will you listen to? Let's read the final part of our passage and then look at the third and final choice. Verses 21 through to the end of the Sermon on the Mount in verse 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they built on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The final choice, the final question for us is will we be a wise or a foolish builder? Jesus winds up and and gives this final challenge with this well-known parable, this well-known story. And really what he's asking is this, do you really know Jesus? And if you really want to fully enter and experience the kingdom of God, will you do that? Verse 21, again, we need to differentiate here. Verse 21, Jesus is talking to the believer. And verse 22 and 23, he is talking to the unbeliever. Verse 21, he says, not everyone who asks of me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You call me Lord and you believe in me. But do you fully want to enter Into the kingdom of heaven. What, what Jesus is saying is this: it's like two 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 circles. He's saying, Look, you're in, you're in the kingdom, you're 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 in, you're you're loved by God fully in depth and riches of the kingdom. If you do, you need to then do the will of the father, you're then to carry out the teaching of the sermon on the so that's what to for the day of judgment, when many will be surprised because they will think that their good works, that they're going to church, that they're helping people, that their signs of, of, of godliness will get them into the kingdom of God, will get them into heaven. And Jesus says in the most stark language out, I will say to you, I never knew you. I mean, you couldn't get any stronger or stark than that. And what Jesus is saying there is, look, it's not your prayer life. It's not about the good works that you do, the money you give away. It's not about helping the poor. It's not about your accomplishments. The only way into heaven, the only way into the kingdom of God is through the blood of Jesus. Martin Luther, a famous um, church reformer, said this about heaven. He said, there will be many there who I thought would not be. There will be many missing from heaven who I thought might be there. But the greatest surprise of all is that I am there. There's a faith in Jesus Christ through the grace of God that welcomes us to heaven. Jesus is saying here in these few verses, there's a depth, there's a richness to the kingdom that is for you, that is available to all. But listen, don't play games with me. Don't try and mess with me. It's only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life that we can come into the kingdom of heaven. And then the famous parable, the wise and the foolish men. Again, the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, you can almost kind of sum up in this story. It's a beautiful story because it so easily fits our imagination. We can imagine the wise man building on the rock. We can imagine the foolish guy building on the sand. When the storm comes, one stands firm, the other crashes and burns. What Jesus is saying here is, will you put into practice What you have heard. The wise man, the foolish man, they've heard the same thing. But only one of them acts upon what he has heard. The wise man puts into practice and builds his life on Jesus. Before the storm comes, before the rain comes, before anything happens, if you look at the two buildings, they look the same from the outside. The difference is the foundations, what you cannot see. That is the difference. And then it's only when the storms come, the wind, the rain, the storms come, that the difference is revealed. We're to build our lives on Jesus. He is our firm foundation. That's what the Sermon on the Mount has been talking about. Jesus' way is different from the world's way, but build on Jesus because he is your rock and firm foundation. And storms will come for all of us. Someone once said, you're either just come through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're about to enter a storm. That's life. That's life for all of us. We're in one or two or each of those positions. A storm of of health issues are facing us. A storm of finances. A storm of relationships. A storm of, of, of mental anxiety. All of us either are coming through a storm, about to face a storm, or have just faced a storm. And Jesus says we're to stand firm in that storm. Jesus is our rock and he is our foundation. Again, Luke helps a little bit here. Luke 6, verse 48, talking again about this same parable. In Luke 6, 48, it says, Dig down deep on your foundations. Talking about the wise man building, it says, Dig down deep. Build your foundations deep. Be doers of God's word. Dig down deep. Don't be a fool. Act upon God's teachings, and it's not about appearance. It's not about how your house looks. It's about your foundations. It's about digging deep foundations. Again, we don't see foundations when when you build a house. Spiritually, most of our foundations no one sees. How's your prayer life? How's your reading of Scripture? You know, how are you in the secret place, the quiet place where no one? Is watching. That is where we build our deep foundations. Are we a wise man or a foolish man? Do we build our life on Jesus, the firm foundation and his teachings? Or do we build on the world and all the foolishness that we see around us, which when the storm comes falls flat? It's a choice. Am I a wise builder? or a foolish builder. And then just very interestingly, Jesus then basically drops the mic and walks off the mountainside. I mean, he's just preached this incredible matchless sermon, and then he just drops the mic and walks. And, And what do the crowds say? Verse 28, the crowds were astonished at his teaching and marveled at one with such authority. I love those two words. They were astonished and marveled at his authority. And for me, if I'm astonished at something, that hits my emotions. It hits my my feelings. I'm astonished. I'm amazed. And the authority is, is about God, who he is, about Jesus, the son of God, proclaiming God's word, proclaiming with authority. And my prayer and my belief is that Today, in the church, in 2021, we need to rediscover that that amazement and that authority. The two go together. In the church, we need to, to connect with people's emotions for people to be amazed at who God is. But then we need to challenge them with the authority of God's word and proclaim God's authority through Scripture astonished, and authority. All of the church today would discover those two things and marry them together and proclaim the gospel, which astonishes us because it it impacts our deepest needs and our inmost being and challenges us with a kind of deep challenge of the authority of where it comes from, the, the one and true God. And then just lastly, sometimes with the chapters and and, and the verses, we can forget that the the Gospels often kind of run through a consistent narrative. Because if you keep reading into chapter 8, just read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Now look at verse 2. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. I love the fact that Jesus just proclaimed and preached this incredible sermon, and then who's the first person to come up to Jesus? A leper, and Jesus welcomes him. Jesus welcomes all of us to to him. Whatever we may feel we have done wrong, whatever way we may feel we're some kind of leper or outcast or, or we're too bad or done too many things wrong for, for Jesus, no, nothing you have done ever is too bad for Jesus. I love that. After this incredible teaching over three chapters, it is a leper who comes and meets with Jesus. So let me conclude Choices, choices, choices. The narrow way or the broad, wide way? Who will you listen to? Being discerning to teachers and prophets. And how will we build? Will we build as wise builders or foolish builders? The point that strikes me again and again and again in what Jesus says is there's no middle ground. He doesn't allow for a foot in both camps. He doesn't allow it. He says there's a, there's a narrow way or there's a broad way. You're a wise builder or you're a foolish builder. No middle ground. In this culture, we like the middle ground. Jesus doesn't allow us the middle ground. We're called to be, as believers, as church, salt and light, as Alex preached on earlier in the series. Choices. The eternal choice. Do I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Will I take him as the one who died for me and have a place in heaven, or will I deny him? And then daily choices. Will I choose the narrow way, when I choose God's discipline, when I choose God's teaching, when I choose to live the way the Bible challenges me to live, if I will, it unlocks the inheritance that God has for me. It, like Joseph, it unlocks the inheritance that God has for each of us. If I don't, our lives can lead to ruin and destruction. Even as believers, we can still ruin and mess up our lives and not fully inherit the inheritance that God has for us. I'm going to pray. Jonathan and Adam, would you like to come up ready? In a moment, we're going to sing Cornerstone. In a few minutes, we're going to close with that. It's a wonderful song that really puts a lot of what I've preached upon into practice. But I want to pray to finish. And I want to pray along the lines of what I've preached about the choice that every single one of you has. The choice of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then the choice, the daily choice of following him, of picking up your cross and following Jesus. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy, but it's the way to inherit all that God has for us. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to live the perfect life, to die on the cross in our place and three days rise again to defeat Satan, to defeat death and take the place on that cross where I deserve to be. Thank you for the grace of God and the gospel, which is good news To all who believe, I want to pray for a moment. If someone here, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made a decision to put Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to trust Him with your life, to say, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and today I choose to follow you, you can do that. The Bible says, we're to confess our sins and to confess that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus died in our place. If we do that, we enter into eternity. We enter into his family. We become sons and daughters of the Most High. If you haven't done that, I would love you to speak to you afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. would love to give you a Bible. would love to talk further about the best decision that you can make, a decision for eternity. And then for the rest of us, we've made that decision some point in the past, maybe as we were children, teenagers, maybe in our 20s, maybe more recently, we've made a decision. We put Jesus first. We, we love him. We, we know he died for us. We, we know that, that, that we are assured of a place in heaven. But then there's a challenge of every day. There's a challenge of building our life on the rock. There's a challenge of every day choosing the narrow gate and not the broad, wide, empty plains of the world and the craziness. I'm going to pray for us. And can I ask this? If you're sitting there and you just like to say, you know what, this morning I want to afresh, make a commitment, to choosing to walk for Jesus, to put into practice the, the Sermon on the Mount, to live differently, to choose the narrow gate. If you want to make a decision this morning to choose to do that, to choose afresh, then I'm just going to ask you where you are to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. Because I mean, sometimes physically standing, sometimes it just helps seal something. It be sitting down and it can be doing exactly the same thing. But I'm just going to ask. My eyes are closed. I want to pray and then we're going to worship and sing Cornerstone. But if you'd like me to pray for you and just you want to make a statement of, I'm going to decide to build as a wise man my firm foundations on Jesus, to choose the narrow gate, then just stand where you are. And I'm going to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray for every person here. I pray for each one of us, Lord God, that we would this week make conscious decisions to choose the narrow gate which leads to life and life eternal. Though it's tough, though it's difficult, though it means making difficult choices, I pray that you would help us to choose Jesus, to to, to embody and to receive our full inheritance. Lord, many of us might have been on that, that, that wide open gate of destruction this past few weeks, these past few months. Well, today is a moment we can turn and turn to Jesus afresh and go through the gate, which is Jesus, and go into the life and the fulfillment and the blessings and the inheritance that he has for us. Father, give us your strength. Give us your Holy Spirit to help us to choose Jesus, to build our life upon the rock. For when storms come, we would then stand firm. Father, help us. Help us to choose you, to choose Jesus, to receive the fullness of life on this earth right now, the inheritance that God has for us. Let's all stand.